Hello, attractive listener. It's Dan, and this is part two of the Art Lakey episode. Uh, Where we left off, I had just talked about how great he is and which albums and songs I particularly love. Now we're going to start talking about the man himself. So enjoy, and I'll talk to you uh, in like five, four, three, two, one. So, Blakey, now that we're an hour into it, <laughs> you know, sometimes we go from the big to the little. Yeah, right. Ever, sometimes scaling little scaling to big. Out. Yep, yep. The bio will be very brief because <laughs> I already talked about most of his stuff. Right. Um, so he's born October 11, 1919. He's born in Pittsburgh to a single mom. Okay. The mom dies soon. Him and his siblings are raised by a family friend. Right. There is debate over how long he was raised. Mm-hmm. You can't get a straight word on this guy's biography. Okay. You can't get a straight All answer. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, he learned piano, and by 12 or 13, he's making money playing piano. Okay. All right. Around 13, 14, he switches over to drums and starts playing this way. So this is like 33, 34, something like that. Right. So a few years later, about 39, 40, somewhere in there. Yeah. Blakey is hired. By this time, he's playing drums. He's hired by Fletcher Henderson. All right. Fletcher Henderson is a certified big deal okay all right so henderson was born in the 1800s he was this brilliant pianist and he wait you said the 1800s i'm assuming you meant the 1900s no he was born in the 1800s oh my god he was old school holy crap and he (laughs) helped drag jazz from its dixieland roots Mm -hmm. into swing Wow. In like the okay. teens, well, more really the 20s and into the 30s. He was pulling it into the swing era. Hmm. Wow. Uh, okay. So he, he was a big deal. He was one of the guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And then he hired another big deal by the name of Louis Armstrong. Oh, nice. Okay. All right. And so combined... They were the band. Okay. For the 30s. Neat. Oh, that's okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Like the, the, the late 20s, early 30s, it's the band. This is scratching very, very old, like, uh, wrinkles in the far back of my brain. I do remember uh, Dave Baker talking about Fletcher Henderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guy. And he's all great. Right. You should go listen to Fletcher Henderson. I mean, God, mm-hmm. go listen to Louis Armstrong. I mean, everyone knows it's a wonderful world. That's his, I mean, that's a great song and it's his like most boring song. Like his, oh man, go listen to Armstrong. Do yourself a favor. He's great. All right. Um, So Henderson's band breaks up in about 1934. Mm. He needs money. So he starts selling charts to Benny Goodman. He's Mr. Big Swing guy. He's like the face of of swing. One of them. Right. Right. Um, he so and then he ended up playing for him so he left in 1940 to go back and start his own band again and okay. that is the band that our blakey joined interesting so like 40 41 something like that is when blakey joined him as his right. drummer okay so it wasn't the big deal fletcher henderson band but it mm-hmm. was still fletcher henderson Band, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, one thing from there, when they were in a, they were touring through Georgia, and a cop beat Blakey on the head, uh, and he need he had to get a steel plate in his head. Holy crap! Uh, and that's why he was not in the draft for World War mm. II. He was not drafted because wow. he had a steel plate in his head from this cop. <laughs> so he's he's under Henderson for a few years. And mm-hmm. then in 44, uh, and this, he's, he's a no-name drummer. He's getting a name, but he's like, oh, yeah, you're so-and-so's drummer. Right. He's right. not 
oh, you're our Blakey. He's, oh, you're Henderson's drummer. Cool. Mm-hmm. He gets hired by another band leader who is a big deal, Billy Eckstein. Billy Eckstein, Eckstein. I think Eckstein. Okay. All right. It's one of those ones I where I've seen it written down. I haven't heard yeah. it said out loud very much. Right, right. Um, so this band, some of the people in this band, and it was yeah. like a, it was a larger band. This is still swing era. So, you know, you had... Right. You know, a a a a a twelve-piece band was small. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in this band, you have Dexter Gordon, mm-hmm. big deal, te- uh, big deal saxophone player. Right. Fats Navarro, Dizzy Gillespie. Oh, nice. Sarah yeah. Vaughn, mm-hmm. Charlie Parker, mm-hmm. and Miles Davis. Oh, awesome! Wow, that's a. Uh... That's and our Blakey are all in this band together, hanging okay. out. So, Bebop has a thousand parents. Yeah. Well, play it safe. Bebop has twenty parents. <laughs> it, it it has twenty main parents and about fifty very inter closely related aunts and uncles. Yes. So the main parents of Bebop, Dizzy Gillespie, Charlie Parker, big, 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 mm-hmm. big, big deals. Right. And, but all of these folks, yeah. you know, Bud Powell, Coleman Hawkins, Lester Young, Joe Jones. Mm-hmm. Right. There's all, there's, you know, all these people are, they're doing, they're playing for big bands, you know. Yeah. They'll be playing for, for Count Basie or Duke Ellington or Cab Calloway. Right, right. And they do their big band. Hey, we're all in matching suits. Here we go. Hey, all right. Right, right. And then when the gig is over, they go and they do their own stuff in the little club around the corner. They leave the concert hall and they go to the little smoky club and they start, well, I'm I'm feeling kind of this way. Oh, that's interesting. That gives me an idea. I'm going to do this. And they start futzing around and experimenting. And that's where you get bebop is in these laboratories. The, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, I like that term. Yeah, yeah. The smaller yeah. jazz houses as the jazz laboratories. Okay. Yeah, and right. it, and it's a small Dig circle it. that all these folks were di- were were working right. in, right. and and you know, Dizzy Gillespie was the trumpet player with the cheeks that pop out and everything, and Charlie Parker mm-hmm. was the saxophone player, big dude, little sax comparatively, um, mm-hmm. complete mess of a human being. Yeah. Uh, one of these guys who died young. Um, but, but, and a lot of them, I mean, Dizzy Gillespie got kicked out of, I want to say, Cab Calloway's band. <laughs> was it Basie or Calloway? That's fantastic. I think he though. was, I, I might be wrong. I think he was in Calloway's band. That's but fantastic. Someone would be playing a solo, and he gets so excited, he would get up and start dancing around and stuff. And it's like, what are you doing? You can't. You're you're supposed to sit there at your stand. Right. You right. can't get up and dance. What are you doing? And and he got kicked out for having too much of a fun time. I'm liking the music. That's what I'm doing. It's yeah. Right. yeah. And so, uh, <laughs> I just I love that. They were, but yeah. they were the young, you know, it's that generational thing where the 40, 45 year old guy is telling the 20, mm-hmm. 25 year old guys, right. guys, what are you doing? You can't, you can't play that noise here. Yeah. What are you doing? You can't be, gr- you know, you gotta and be a gr- so yeah, they go right. and start their own bands. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so Eckstein's band breaks up in 47. So for two years, they all played together. Two or three years, they all played together. And so the band right. breaks up with all these big deal guys, you know, Miles Davis and Sarah Vaughn and Dizzy Gillespie, mm-hmm. Charlie Parker, Art Blakey, Dexter Gordon, Fats Navarre. Yep. So by the end of that year, two things happen. The first, a, I can't, I cannot believe that this happened on the same day. Oh, wow. Oh, this is going to be a good story if it starts like that. November 21st, 1947. Yeah. Yeah. Thelonious Monk 
Mm-hmm. I love Thelonious Monk. Yep. Yeah. As all good people do. Mm-hmm. In one recording session, he records Round Midnight, Oh My God, and... Which is so fucking fantastic, yeah. And In Walk Bud. Round Midnight is... I have no patience for ballads. Except Round Midnight. Piano is so. It's behind the beat barely, and you can mm-hmm. feel the dude's like, whether his heart is breaking or it's three in the morning, or it's just raining that day. Like you can feel it plodding. Round, yeah, so round midnight, good. man. That's that's one that just it um. If there were no openings in your heart before you started that song, <laughs> there will be a little tiny one that starts to get bigger after you start that song. Yeah. And yeah. then, so they record that, and then they record one of my favorites, In Walk Bud, which is about Bud mm. Powell. Right. <laughs> And Art Blakey plays on both of them. He's the drummer in that session. That's fantastic. I okay. love right. that. And yeah. then, a month later, December 17th, Blakey re- records his first album as a band leader. 1947, uh, it was released 48, Art Blakey's Messengers. Okay. He also did the 17 Messengers, but that was just, it was too many people to handle, and it just, it, it was, it fell apart after right. a short right. time also after the 17 messages were sent i mean there's you know there's really not much reason to keep <laughs> the band together you know? yeah. um, we've sent the 17 messages okay well what do you want to do now uh you oh, want to do free jazz no that's okay no that hasn't been invented <laughs> yet oh, okay. <laughs> um around this time he converts to islam yeah um and then he ups and leaves the country and goes to Africa for a couple years. Okay. And he he uh, he says it wasn't to learn anything about music, but he learned a lot about music. And he comes back with all these polyrhythms and techniques and different ideas of what you can do with a drum. Right. Uh, uh, so yeah, he converts to Islam. He changes his name to Abdullah ibn Buhayna. Uh, but then after a couple of years, he comes back to the States and he changes his name back to Art Blakey and he stops practicing. Oh, wow. So it's just this like, uh, and it, you know, and again, you can't get a straight answer out of him. Maybe he really felt it. Maybe he was just looking around for something new. He was about 30 at that time. So mm-hmm. maybe he's like, yeah, I did. You know, they made me go to church. I had to do that. What else is out there? Maybe he right. was, you know, it's around 1950. And, you know, the uh, Nation of Islam idea is really making inroads in the States. It did. And I remember that was a thing that happened with a handful of artists during that era was, you know, yeah. they said, well, I'm going to try Nation of Islam. I, I like the whole idea of the, the, the grand unified peace that's associated with it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember that being a thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, especially in the sort of the the parts of the of the community that are more open to newer ideas or different ideas, right. such as right. musicians uh, and college students and right. intellectuals right. you know these are the people that embraced you know in the in african american communities these are the folks who who were the first to really embrace nation of islam 
uh, where right. the musicians and intellectuals and college students, the people who are, you know, I'm, you know, sort of always hungry for some something new, a new way of yeah. thinking, a new idea, a new perspective. Right, right. So Blakey was 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 in there for a couple of years, and you know, just for whatever reason, he just kind of stopped. Um, so forty nine fifty, he comes back to the U.S. and he plays. Uh, he plays under Miles Davis. He plays under Charlie Parker, Bud Powell, Dizzy Gillespie, Monk. Mm-hmm. He he cut some records with these guys. Um, he plays with a. Uh, a guy named Buddy DeFranco for a couple years. He was a, a clarinetist under Count Basie. Okay. So he plays All with right. him for 51, 52, 53. Right. 1953 is he starts playing with his buddy Horace Silver on piano. Him okay. and Horace Silver co-lead a band in 1954. They dubbed the band the jazz messengers ah which leads to yeah, yeah, yeah. and the right, first right. album with that name mm-hmm. is more a horace silver album than an art blakey album okay silver left the band a couple years later in 56 and for the rest of his life it was art blakey and the jazz messengers okay horace yeah. silver I don't, they played, they would play together on like a, hey, we're getting the band back together. Hey, old friends, mm-hmm. special concert. But he wasn't right. like in the band again. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first version was uh, Horace Silver piano, Art Blakey drums, Kenny Dorham on trumpet, Hank Mobley on tenor, and Doug Watkins on bass. I won't okay. go the year by year because... Oh my God! Were there a lot of people in this band? <laughs> if you want to know, that's the one thing I do remember from your and my conversations about um, Art Blakey way back in the day. Is that it? I, I I know you, and I also know that you know every one of those members, if not everyone. <laughs> you know a good chunk of them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't think anyone knows all of them. There's no. there's got to be seventy of them. Yeah. And half of them started their own bands. Right, right. And the band, you know, it lasted until he died in 1990. So it's a lot of various forms of jazz. Right. Um, so, yeah, quick, 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 frequent lineup changes. Um, and right after that, uh, Kenny Dorham was replaced on trumpet by Donald Byrd. And that stayed together for a few years. That quintet stayed together for two or three years. And then shift, 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 shift. And then there was another group that was kind of more or less consistent in like the early 60s. Sort of 61 to 65-ish. It was fairly consistent. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, people would stick around for two years one session you know three months you might have someone stick around for six years you and then you'll have someone who's who's there for three months you know but it was generally it was mostly one or two years people were in the band okay all right um and so it was after that first group and like i said on the on the Birdland album, he talks about, you know, I like sticking with young people. After that group sort of graduated and started making their own records under their own names, he kept them, he kept getting young people in their 20s and kept kept graduating class after class, you know, alumni after alumni. That's um, kind of neat, though, because he becomes essentially the the de facto uh the de facto like yeah, de jazz facto. masters <laughs> i'm gonna use that i am <laughs> yeah, the de becomes, facto ruler <laughs> <laughs> he, he becomes uh kind of like um being being in the jazz messengers almost becomes like the next step of uh i guess jazz music graduate school you yeah know? it's like the jazz academy Right, that's and so neat. Before it's and it and it has sort of a unique position in that time because before then, 
that was what everyone did. You know, if you were in Fletcher Henderson's band, or if you were in Cad Calloway's band, or Duke Ellington's band, you right. played there for a couple years, and then you went and started your own band. Right, right. And it was a training ground. And That's then, cool. kind of, sort of pre-war and post-war, that sort of went away for a few years. And all mm-hmm. the young guys who started bebop in the late 40s, they were all, there wasn't an old head to guide them. Right. They didn't, you know, the bebop guys, they didn't have a Cab Calloway. They didn't have a Count Basie to yeah. lead them. They right. were too busy doing big band swing stuff. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. they were their own leaders. Right. And it became sort of a, you know, a Lord of the Flies. Everyone, you know, maybe that's not a good, that's not a good metaphor because they didn't murder each other. Well, um, their wives did that for them. Ooh, sorry. <laughs> Ooh. Sorry, Lee Morgan. No. Oh, Ooh. sad. Um, it was, it was the kids leading the kids. It was the kids leading the kids. Yeah. It was the young yeah. leading the young. It was more like mm. communes than okay. hierarchies. Right. And so some of these, some of these folks, um, and, you know, like I say, in the beginning, late 40s, early 50s, you had Thelonious Monk, Art Blakey, Max Roach, uh, Elvin Jones, you know, Horace Silver, Miles Davis, uh, Dizzy Gillespie, Bud Powell, you know, all these guys mm-hmm. playing on each other's records. You know, if you did five records, one of them was under you and the other four were your buddies. Right, right. Um, And it wasn't until later that they were like, oh, yeah, Miles Davis, he's the guy. Uh, Dizzy Gillespie, he's the guy. Charlie Parker, he's the guy. Right, where you've got these names that end up becoming the the most easy searchable names in... Various major uh, studios, um, like libraries. Yeah. D- but it's not them themselves. It's they just happen to be the people whose names were um, in the. Uh, they they were the most easily marketable names of a twenty to thirty person group that's going to play for this six months. Well, and not, then is not not necessarily yeah. the most marketable enough. It wasn't as artificial as that. It was. Mm. Wow, Coltrane really has a presence. Uh, okay. Parker yeah, really yeah. plays differently. You can really feel what he does differently than the other sax players. That's interesting. Right. Right. And and the public, rightfully so, gravitated towards the people making the interesting, exciting choices. Right. Right. But it it took a little bit for for it's sort of like a horse race. In the beginning, everyone jumps out of the gate at the same time, and it's only after a little bit that they start to distance themselves. And you see, oh, that guy's interesting. <laughs> that guy's doing something that no one else is doing. That's right. good. Right. The others are also very, 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 very good. And all those records are great. But then you're like, but this is something special. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep an eye on this guy. And the entire public keeps an eye on that guy. And that's how you're like, oh, Miles Davis, big deal. Oh, Charlie Parker, big deal, you know. Yeah. Um, so all the, you know, so, but after, and so it took, a, you know, a few years, maybe a decade, for everyone mm-hmm. to sort of get in their roles as who are the right. big deal band leaders and who are the side men, and who are gonna, you know, pop in when they can. Yeah. Right. And Art Blakey was, you know, everyone played under him and he played under everybody else. And then as those few years went by, he was like, you know what? I'm going to be the band leader who does what the old guys did and train up the next generation. Ah, so he decided to fall into that role of being the... uh, He's the mentor. um, Yeah, right, right, right. He's the Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's cool. Um. And he was kind of the only one doing it until the 80s. You know, it mm-hmm. wasn't until much later, you know, 
you know, maybe Herbie Hancock in the 70s and, you know, arguably Miles Davis in the 60s and 70s brought people. Yeah, I'm up. glad you mentioned Herbie Hancock because I know Herbie Hancock did the same. Oh, yeah, yeah, was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, you know, and, and it's not to say that no one did it, but it was not a dedicated, like, you didn't have, like, graduating classes like you did. Right. In the right. in the thirties and twenties, yeah. So some of his alumnus alumni, uh, Donald Byrd, uh, right. played trumpet from fifty five to fifty six. He started bringing funk and soul into jazz, in the sort of very early incarnations of that stuff. And he was a big mm-hmm. influence on Herbie Hancock later. Right. Okay. So he okay. was a good dude. Lee Morgan. Oh man, I love Lee Morgan. Lee Morgan was so cool, and qu- he was this like quiet guy. When you get a trumpet, he's so confident. He was in the band from '58 to '61. He went from John Coltrane's band to Art Blakey's band to solo, and his bands, the Sidewind, his albums, the Sidewinder and the Gigolo big cool records mm-hmm. they're like you know it's like everyone knows the Miles Davis records and everyone knows the Monk records and then the like right. once you like it's like, you know, are you like, I know jazz because I went to Starbucks? Or are you like, oh, you're, you're, you're a guy who, or you're a lady who knows the stuff, who knows the stuff. I know right. you have Lee Morgan's records. <laughs> <laughs> He's just one of those like, yes, Lee Morgan. Uh, and died young, shot by his common-law wife. There's a documentary about it on Netflix. Uh, I think it's called I Remember Lee. Um, and it's from the his wife's perspective. She's like the main interview subject. Oh wow! Yeah, it's like whew, okay. But she's the same one that chose to shoot him. She right? yeah. I mean, it's, it's holy crap. Man, okay. <laughs> of all the genres, like jazz, everyone's story is crazy. Uh, yeah, it, it reminds me of you and I looking at a uh, poor Al Jackson. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah it's, um, exactly. Yeah. Um, Wayne Shorter, uh, great mm-hmm. tenor sax player in 59 to 61 was his time in the Messengers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he later joined Miles Davis and he got into fusion. And he, I mean, like I say, super bona fide big deal on his own right later. Mm-hmm. All these people mm-hmm. became big deals on, in their own right. And right. he co founded Weather Report, the big fusion band. Oh, in neat. the 70s, Weather Report. So he was yeah, in that whole, like, yeah, yeah. fusion, Miles right. Davis, Herbie Hancock stuff over there happening. So he went on to do Weather Report. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Curtis Fuller yeah. was a trombonist from 61 to 65 in there. He also came out of Miles Davis. Um, he was in the hardest of the hard bop because they did the bebop, and after bebop, they just got harder and more intense because mm-hmm. Bebop was like, oh, yeah, light and cool. Yeah, breathe. This is great. Right. And it started getting a little Chet Baker, who's the, the sort of California sound, and you're uh, right. Dave Brubeck, the California white guys who started coming right. in. And Bebop kind of went, okay, okay, I see you. Okay, how about this? <laughs> and it was like, whoa, dude, what are you doing? And uh, Fuller was around for that. Really cool stuff. Same time, Freddie right. Hubbard, another great player of that era, 61 to 66, was in there. He played trumpet. He mm-hmm. pushed the stuff hard. And he yeah. kept it... Uh, he kept pushing hard. He ended up playing with Ornette Coleman, who did, uh, who yeah. was the big free jazz innovator. You know, the sound okay. of music yet to come and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, believe it or not, Chuck Mangione played for him for a year. Chuck Mangione is, um, that's, uh, he did uh, kind of soft jazz soundtracks for yeah, yeah, um, yeah. movies, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Was, he showed up on the King of a Hill one time, remember? He had his, mm. his like, cornet. 
Right, I remember that now. So he yeah, played from 66 okay, yeah. to 67. The, yeah, he, like, had, he the did beard. the muted cornet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yeah, yeah, bugle-looking okay. corn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he was right in that end of hard bop, early fusion, not quite fusion. It's sort of a now what couple okay. of years where All they're right. like, well, we did that. Right. What do you want to do now? <laughs> but fusion was like, well, I got this kind of an idea. And he's like, oh, I don't think I want to do that. Right. Uh, Chick Corea uh, played piano for Blakey in 1967. He also played with Miles Davis, Herbie Hancock, Keith Jarrett. He was another fusion guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's still around, actually. I think Keith Jarrett's still around, too. Um, another one of these guys, McCoy Tyner, brilliant piano player. He played with them for 67 to 68. Super influential pianist in the 70s and 80s. And, I mean, right. still, people are like, oh, yeah, McCoy Tyner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he came out of John Coltrane's band, went on to make super innovative music himself. But what he did, he avoided the fusion and free jazz stuff. He kept it sort of closer to the, not closer to the vest, but, like, more accessible without being like, oh, it's so accessible. You know, like... He didn't go off into space. Okay. Like the other. It makes me think of uh, the Jonathan Richmond quote uh, from the PBS's rock and roll miniseries. The punk rock episode opens with uh, Jonathan Jonathan Coltrane, with Jonathan Richmond Mm -hmm. uh, walking around talking about the the Modern Lovers. Their album was 72, I think, their first record. And he's talking about... Yeah. He's like, yeah, you know, it's rock and roll, it's... It's about reality and boyfriends and girlfriends. It's not about drugs and space. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah. I like him. Yeah. I like yeah. Jonathan Richmond. Okay. It's not about drugs yeah. and space. Yeah. I thought that was terrific. Uh, and so, yeah, McCoy Tyner avoided going to Mars. He, he stayed on Earth while mm. still being innovative. Really cool. Really cool, like, needle to thread. Right. Um, and then I gotta wonder if Jonathan Richmond uh, uh, ever listened to Blue Oyster Cult and decided. Oh, no, I'm this sure isn't for me. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, he was alive in the '70s. Of course, he did. Right. <laughs> uh, and then 1980, you get three big deals who were still around: Winton and uh, Branford Marsalis. Uh, Winton Marsalis. If you know jazz, you know who he is. He's a trumpet player. He's been active yep. for the last 40 plus years and his brother yep. Branford is an alto sax player mm-hmm. and the same year 1980 also joined uh, Kevin Eubanks who ended up playing on Jay Leno for oh yeah 20 years or whatever yeah right 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 Eubanks yep yep that's yep. cool Jay being... Kevin yep, Eubanks yep. the guitarist yep, the big smile every time yeah uh, Jay I don't know about that yeah <laughs> I don't know about that Jay yeah, uh, yeah and yeah. so those three guys they all started under Blakey in 80. Uh, Branford, Marsalis, and Kevin Eubanks, they left after, I don't know, six months or a year or something. Went and Marsalis mm-hmm. stuck around till 82, I think, and okay. then went on to be Mr. Big Deal, Mr. Lincoln Center. Mm-hmm. Um, those guys are big on the neo-traditionalism. They okay. took it back to the 30s and 40s and 50s. Mm, they're like okay. not like big you know sing 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 and whatever but right you know more 40s and 50s of okay All right. uh you know mom and dad can listen to this they get mm-hmm. it the kids can listen right. to this they also get it Grandpa mm-hmm. can listen and get it. Grandma, she and gets everybody's it. Everybody's going to enjoy it. Yeah, we we're all here. We're all on the same page. Just because it's old doesn't mean it's bad. And they write mm-hmm. and they write new music in that style. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it's it's like how now rock has a fifteen year cycle, where yeah. from from garage to you know uh, train and then it resets itself. You go, mm-hmm. you get from Nirvana to Train, and then it goes back. Yeah. You know, you yeah. get, you go from the Kinks to Pink Floyd, and then it reset. You know, ELO, and then it resets right. itself. Right. Um. And uh, and then the most recent big deal that I that I 
thought of was Terrence Blanchard. He was trumpet in the mid '80s. Uh, he's still around. He's like 60. Um, Blanchard did uh, soundtracks for Spike Lee, including a couple years ago, Black uh, Klansman. He did oh. the he did the movie soundtrack for that. Oh wow! And so, okay. so yeah, like one of Art Blakey's guys is now work you know doing stuff for Spike Lee. I thought that was a cool you know that is super modern neat. day still having it because I mean Blakey's yeah. been dead for 30 years. Right. Um, another one, oh God, Clifford Brown was a trumpeter. Uh, he was on that first record. So, so I was going to say, the big, there are no bad lineups for the Jazz Messengers. Right, right. For me, my favorite versions of them are the one on A Night at Birdland mm-hmm. in 54, which was, uh, the new trumpet sensation Clifford Brown <laughs> Lou Donaldson alto Curly Russell on bass you know what Pee Wee Marquette's talking um, right. Clifford Brown died in a car wreck at the age 25 can you believe it 25 years old this brilliant up and coming musician gone Oof. it's oh. terrible right 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 um, and the guys on free for all was Freddie Hubbard on trumpet, Curtis Fuller trombone, Wayne Shorter tenor sax, Cedar Walton right. piano, and Reggie Workman bass. I believe Curtis Fuller wrote that song. I think. Don't count. Okay. Don't quote me on that. But All I mean, right. Freddie Hubbard and Wayne Shorter both had giant careers in the '60s right. and '70s. Good God, right. mm-hmm. they were like big deals on their own. And uh, speaking of uh, alumni, Wynton Marsalis totally took over that role, that Art Blakey role of, right. you know, Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra is the new, not new, they've been around for 35 years, but the current training ground for future yeah. jazz places. You know, I mean, right, if, if right, you're right. not at the, Juilliard or whatever. The Jazz Apprenticeship Program. The yeah. Apprenticeship Program, exactly, mm-hmm. thank you. So yeah, so that's that. Um. I don't have too much more, but okay. just some some <laughs> little some some little bullshit about them. Right, right. All these jazz guys are larger than life and smaller than life, and you, Art Blakey especially, you can't get a straight answer out of them. Mm-hmm. Here is some things that lots of people say that are maybe true, maybe not true. Mm-hmm. When he switched from piano to drums at age like 14 or whatever. Right. The story is that the club owner pointed a gun at him and said, get off the piano and play drums. Oh. Probably didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds this, like it this didn't starts happen. to veer. Yeah. This starts to, to veer into, uh, um, I don't know about that territory. Yeah. yeah. He may have lost hearing in one ear. Okay. He may have just pretended to lose hearing as an excuse to not listen to people. <laughs> I have chosen not to hear you for a very specific reason. Because <laughs> uh, I don't care about what you're saying. <laughs> uh, That's funny. There's anecdotes about when he was a practicing Muslim. Yeah. He would sit with the imams for a few hours and then go get drinks and ribs. <laughs> Which you can't like, really do if, if you're no. a Muslim. <laughs> well, that's all well and good. <laughs> so yeah, go kind of a life. kind of an Easter and Christmas equivalent right. of Oops. of Islam. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Just you'd immediately go get some beers and some and some pork. Okay. Yeah. Oops. This I think is true <laughs> that he invented the sizzle symbol. This uh, sizzle is uh, you have a ride symbol with uh, little holes drilled around the edge of the symbol with little rivets in them. Mm-hmm. So when you hit it, it goes. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if I don't think he was the first. Pro- he might have been the first person to do it, but he had his keychain and he hung it on the top of the symbol stand that pokes out through the middle of the symbol. So his keys were sitting there rattling on the the symbol. It was just his keys sitting there. I was like, now that is cool. 
Yeah. That's a cool yeah, well, little idea. Well, I needed idea. a place to store my keys. <laughs> That's funny. And then there's That's this awesome. one. I okay. No one challenges this. Okay. It is widely. Oh, which means it's going to be really good. <laughs> it's widely quoted. Okay. I'm a big fan, so I want it to be true. Okay. But it's also like, come on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That when he came back from Africa, one oh. of his innovations in drums mm-hmm. was stepping on the hi hat. Two and four. I don't believe that. The I don't believe thing that, that for every a second. drummer yeah. has done in jazz yeah. for the last yeah. three yeah. generations of life. Yeah, you know, since baloney. 1950, the last 70 years, you've been going. Yeah. They're saying Blakey invented that. Nah, nah. That's that's bologna sandwiches. Nobody says it's not true. Is the thing that I can't get my brain around. I'm like, that cannot be true. Well, here's 40 guys who played with him who say it's true. But it, I mean, really? (laughs) There's no way. I mean, when you think about like, especially because, I mean, I, I've spent the past. That is exactly my train of thought, but it can't be. I mean, when you think about, but. I just, exactly. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I spent I spent a month listening to Louis Armstrong songs with with my youngest daughter, and I know Louis and his stuff. A lot of it predates uh, uh, yeah. Blakey. He's playing twenties and thirties and forties. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way. I yeah. I don't. I don't buy that. But I, I mean, they that. also. It was mostly used as an effect. Mm-hmm. Or it was one, two, three, four, not just two, four. I mean, it. Yeah. It could be yeah. true. Yeah, that's one where you'd have to spend the time like dissecting it. Yeah. Um, and I, I bet you. What there's it also a means YouTube... you have to sit there and listen to every record. Oh, what a shame! <laughs> oh no! What an absolute shame! Yeah. Spend a spend a month listening to jazz to dissect it. Ah, oh. oh, nuts! Oh man, yeah. But uh. <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely like a casual fan, not a scholar. Right. Uh, I don't have any, anyone's complete library, but I'm like, yeah. that, that's, come on. I have a lot um, of trouble believing that. Yeah. yeah. Couple, couple of things uh, that are really fantastic uh, mm-hmm. are usually if there's a, here's the thing with Art Blakey. Mm-hmm. Hey, why do you like him so much? Well, Drum solos suck. I'm not a fan of drum solos. Or Blakey, I could listen to all day. He's yeah. one of the few who I'm like, I'll listen to his solo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, he's not—he's not playing. The the thing that I like about uh, of of the Art Blakey stuff that you've played for me, and the stuff that I know and I've got on. Uh, my old, 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 old Napster MP3 directories, <laughs> God knows yeah. where, is that um, there's a difference between listening to a drum solo and listening to Art Blakey play, which is that a drum solo is, and now let's um, make sure that we respect the fact that the drummer is here and he's done such a great job that we're going to give him a few minutes to you know kind of riff out and do whatever he wants. Right. When Art Blakey plays, it's, and now I'm going to turn the drum set into a musical instrument. Not that it wasn't one before, but I'm going to show yeah. you how I can move through the range of the set in front of me and and make you raise your eyebrow in the exact same way that you raise your eyebrow when Charlie Parker goes through four octaves and back on the tenor. Right. You know? It's like, you can do that? That's, yeah, exactly. That's how it is. I didn't know right. you could do that. <laughs> right, right, right. Blakey so, does stuff on the drum set that other drummers go, that's not allowed. I mean, that's allowed? <laughs> you know. So there's a really cool drumming duel uh, from 1973, Art Blakey and Ginger Baker. Ginger Baker was the drummer in Cream and uh, Blind yeah. Faith and his own bands. And he right. was always like, oh, I'm not a rock drummer, I'm a jazz drummer. I was like, okay, Ginger. You're, mm-hmm. you're in these rock bands with Eric Clapton. Yeah, you're a jazz guy. Okay. 
Right, right. And Ginger Baker is Mr. Big Tough Guy. Oh, I can beat anybody. I'm a big tough guy. Go away. I'm crazy. There's a fun documentary, yeah. Beware of Mr. Baker, about he Anyway. So, 1973, they had a drum duel at oh, some oh, festival. I forget right. what. And it's on YouTube. And Beware Mr. Baker had it colorized and in good version. But it only had, they would show like five seconds and then go back to an interview and then another five seconds. This okay. is the whole video. And it's like, I don't know, 13 right. minutes, 17 minutes, some crap like that. Right, right. And it's in black and white. And the sound goes in and out for a, for a second here and there, but generally pretty mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. And you see when Art Blakey's playing, Baker has the biggest hearts coming out of his eyes in a line <laughs> pointed at Art Blakey. This is his hero. <laughs> right, right. And when it's his turn to play, he is so... He's trying to be so impressive and fierce. <laughs> he's trying so hard rock guy doing my stuff uh-huh. double bass right. drum boo, 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 boo. right 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 and our Blakey sits there and goes just deadpan okay, mm-hmm. okay. Right. right and then it's Blakey's turn and he just casually destroys him <laughs> okay alright barely breaks oh, I gotta check that out all right, destroys all right. Definitely, him. definitely include the link to that. Yeah, in, yeah, uh, I'm putting it in the uh, episode. In the pod. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And and Blakey destroys him with half as many drums, <laughs> half as many cymbals, and without the double bass. <laughs> of course, of Baker course. does his big '70s rock god display. Yeah, Blakey busts out this, his solo from his version of Night in Tunisia. Mm, yes. And you just go, yes, yes, give me this, <laughs> yes. And then at the end, they team up and they're going at the same time. And it's and instead oh, of a duel, it's a duet. And it's oh, fun and cool. it's great. And they finish together and they give a, you know arms around the shoulder. Yay, all right. Mm-hmm. It's on YouTube. I'll put the link in the notes. And then I'm super curious. And there's another one, another really good one. It's audio only, but it's on YouTube. Another battle the next year, 1974. This is at the Newport mm-hmm. Jazz Festival. Mm-hmm. Art Blakey, Elvin Jones, Max Roach, and Buddy Rich. Where do I know Elvin Jones from? Elvin Jones was another one of these guys who played with everybody in, in the 40s, 50s, 60s, especially okay. 50s. All right. All he right. did a song right. called Pretty Brown that I absolutely love. I love Pretty Brown. It's a fantastic okay. song, and everyone should listen to it. It's about three minutes right. long, but right. it's brushes. <laughs> just a lovely little song in and out i just Mm. adore it but elvin jones was a fantastic all four of them great drummers everyone's heard of buddy Mm -hmm. rich he he played on the muppet show against animal i think something like i remember that yeah so and they each are distinct Mm -hmm. and so they take turns and it's cool because they do like 30 seconds each and then they Mm -hmm. do like a minute and a half each right. and then they do like four or five minutes like four minutes each and so the video is like okay. 18 minutes long or something like that all right and it goes down the line and it's uh i think it goes elvin jones art blakey max roach buddy rich i think no 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 right. elvin jones buddy rich art blakey max roach because i remember when it's buddy rich's turn i go shut up and get to art <laughs> So like, I don't care. <laughs> so Art Blakey does his thing, and he he yeah. he swells, and it blurs, and he's pounding out emotion like he's like he's an orator giving a speech. Okay, right, fabulous. Right. And then Elvin Jones, his his rhythms, his polyrhythms are yeah. challenging and. And they take you on a journey, and it's like, yes, <laughs> yes, I'm here with you. Right. And then Max Roach starts, and my God, 
no one can create music with a drum like Max Roach. Like Max Roach, okay. He is, right. I mean, he is just, he's one of the best musicians. And you wouldn't yeah. think, I'm not, I don't mean he's a great musician for a drummer or he's a great drummer. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is one of the best musicians. Yeah, right, right. On any right. instrument. Right. He's up there. He's in the, he's in the, the pantheon. He's just yeah. incredible. And so it's just sheer musicality. Like you can't imagine someone gets with a drum. Right. And then Buddy Rich, he, he plays the snare real fast. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> That's not fair. I'm being mean to Buddy Rich. Okay. He's obviously right. a big deal. He's a big deal, okay. big band, jazz star. He yeah, I was had his say, own band. I, I was like waiting for, for your punchline there. <laughs> but his whole style is kind of stuck in the 40s. And it's, uh, I'm okay. going to play the snare, and I'm going to do rudiments, and they're going to be really, really fast. Okay. He all can right. play really fast, but all his solos sound like you take you know, a march and mm. put it on 78. It sounds like drumline stuff. Okay. Which All is right. really cool for a drumline. So as a drummer, he's a moment locked in time. Kind of, yeah. Okay. I mean, All right. He's a good drummer. but He's a phenomenal drummer. There's a reason right. everyone's heard of Buddy Rich. Yeah. Okay. But he All plays right. the snare real fast, mm-hmm. which is good, but I would <laughs> rather hear Elvin Jones... Max Roach right. and Art Blakey. <laughs> right, 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 right. Rather, rather hear somebody use the drum set like a musical instrument. Yeah, and it's right, it's right. it's kind of like these three guys over here are having a separate conversation. <laughs> that's a that's a really uh, poignant way to describe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right, that's right. kind of how it is. Right. Um. But uh. I am I am ride or die Art Blakey. <laughs> he is my favorite drummer, my favorite band leader. Right. He's my personal yeah. savior. He's my higher right. power. Yeah. But I think Max Roach won. Oh, interesting. <laughs> that, that day in '74, oh, okay. pretty sure Max Roach yeah. was the winner. Hmm. Hmm. Um. So, in summary, we're coming up on two hours here. In conclusion, a lot of drummers have speed or technique or soul or dynamics. Art Blakey had power. He was an engine. He could be fast. He could put on a show. He was a good showman with his tricks and his growling and his yelling. He could tell a story with the drums and take you on an emotional ups and downs and stuff but he was always right. in charge he was okay. he had the power in in that right. instrument in that band right. in that room uh unfortunately a couple bad things not like morally bad but just like oh dude yeah uh they just kind of pockmark the the greatness well yeah he was a jazz player in the 50s so he did Uh heroin which sucks well but it was it was jazz in the 50s yeah well the other thing i was gonna the other thing i was gonna say is that like this isn't like some of the other people that we've talked about where (laughs) it's like he was an amazing guy but also a racist. It's like heroin. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's fine. And, you know? and I also think now versus 10 years ago versus a hundred yeah. years ago, we're a yeah. lot more sympathetic to the opiate yeah. user. It's like, Oh dude. Right. And it's more like, Oh God, you need some help rather than well degenerate kick them. Right. Right. That's exactly it. Is that often these guys were using the, these guys were using the drugs to, a, they were, especially in a lot of the, the case of these guys that were these high energy performers whose, whose sole purpose in life was to, you know, get on a, you know, plane, you know, get ejected from one corner of the country to the other, you know, drop into a drum set or drop right onto a guitar, yeah. deliver, or, or a horn, you know, deliver an exceptional performance 
uh, in you know uh, Ottawa, right. and then go and do then the exact the same thing in Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah, you know, hop on the bus it's, and drive all night. Yeah, right, right. It's yeah. I mean, okay, it's, so you know, right. It's the same thing. You know, stand up comics. There's a lot of drunks right. and a lot of yeah. you know users because right. You're in a hotel room by yourself, and you're on a bus with right. your two friends, and you know right. it's a lot yeah. of downtime. Yeah. And, and you have to have follow downtime, those moments of sobriety. Yeah, exactly. You know, idle exactly. hands is the devil's playground. Right, right. Uh, so I mean, so yeah, like I say, it's not like morally bankrupt or nothing. He didn't, you know, he didn't right. beat anybody up. He didn't yeah. rape anybody. He right. was a drug addict, and that sucks. Yeah. Um. People tried to get him to kick it. Wynton Marsalis got him to cut down, but yeah. I don't know if well, he ever quit. Go Wynton, yeah. Uh, he was also a super heavy smoker. Like, every photo mm. of him, he has a whole cigarette hanging out of his mouth. So right. he died of lung cancer well, that's uh, not in 1990. That's unfortunate, but not surprising. Yeah. He had just turned 71, and like yeah. I said, he looks like 95. Like, mm. my dad is 70, 49, to 20, he's 71. Okay. 71? 49 to 2020 is 71. Yeah. So, it, it's... Mm, would be, yeah. Yeah, he turns yeah. 72 this year. So, yeah. he's the same age. Mm-hmm. But he is a lot healthier than our Blakey was. If you look yeah, at, I was about to say, look yeah, at him your in the dad 80s. looks like a healthy older gentleman, not, yeah, yeah. He does not look like, you know, someone left a hot dog in the microwave for 10 minutes and it came out so, cracked and dead. So what you're saying is that if Art Blakey had lived to today, he would look like Prince Philip? <laughs> On a, with enough, if, if he moisturized. Yeah. Yeah, right. If, if you know, he got up and did, you know, kicked smoking. Yeah. Uh ran on the treadmill, you know, stayed in shape. Right. Maybe got some uh botox. Uh. <laughs> he might look like Yeah, he might look like uh the oldest man in the royal family. Yeah. Um uh yeah so you know like like you said usually when i'm like hey here's this guy i really love by the way he also did these atrocious things no it's like this he he smoked way too much and he and he shot heroin which sucks but it's more sad than he 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 was a contextual byproduct of a very um uh, like uh, frenetic era. Yeah. You know? Okay. Yeah. You know? And I mean, you know, sorry, it was jazz musicians in the 50s and it was the cheapest drug around. Right, exactly. Right. What's, you know, what's what's going to happen? Um, so, but yeah, it just, he leaves behind this legacy of not just records, but all these dozens of careers. His yeah, legacy right, is right. not just his name, his legacy is you know 50 other people's names right Right. all these people whose lives he touched in the process of trying to turn them into amazing artists yeah and they all succeeded you know to to one extent or another some became big deals and some kind of got forgotten but they all had their moment and that's pretty cool and that's just unabashedly fantastic yeah that is pretty fantastic that's a hell of a legacy to leave behind. Ugh, should we all be so lucky, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so that's our Blakey. Well, that's amazing, Dan, and, and I really appreciate you taking me down this road. Um, this is this is really pleasant. Um, I, I know what I have to do now. I have to go uh, kind of give my youngest daughter a wink and a grin and say, hey, uh, Tonight we're going to try out a, a new artist, a little-known guy by the name of Art Blakey. <laughs> we'll, we'll spend the next uh, two to three weeks um, kind of uh, listening to that together yeah. as she falls asleep. I'm, I'm super looking forward to as that. As she falls asleep, it'll keep her up all night, bouncing. <laughs> Tell her to make sure yep. she listens for the growl. Okay, all right. I'll, I'll mention it. She loves that. <laughs> she, she loves that type of stuff where... A little bit of humanity seeks, seeps oh, in, yeah. you know, in the production of the music. So I'll, I'll definitely point that out. To her like, <laughs> Listen carefully. Listen carefully. You hear the drummer growl when he plays. She'll, she'll dig that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She'll <laughs> like that. 
<sighs> that was that was amazing, Dan. Hooray! All right, I think I think we're uh, we're at an, uh, two hours thirty. Uh, do you want me to? Do you want to uh, play us out? <laughs>